0: hello everyone my name is arti and this is the mahabharata episode 24 drona in our last episode, we finally bid goodbye to Pandu, laying him to rest in the same fire as we burned Madri alive, watching her youthful form shrivel to heaving embers before our very eyes. Her toddlers will be reared by Kunti, who will love them every bit as her own. Adorable little Sahadeva, in particular, will be her favourite. But when last we left them, the Pandavas had just been awarded admission into Gautama Academy, Kripacharya's famous school for boys of the 1%. They'll study there with their 100 homicidal cousins. But as our text opens, the school's implementing structural changes. Pishma's pushing his vision of a military prep school and has just circulated a draft advertising the top job. Dossiers should be addressed to Bhishma's personal attention. It reads, The advertisement brings us to Drona. What do we know about this man of celebrated gifts, the most famous military trainer and tactician of his time? Today, General Drona is being trailed by a film crew, preparing a documentary on his storied career. A young researcher comes breathlessly to the producer, waving a file in her hand. Tucked in an obscure corner of the National Archives, she's unearthed some facts, and on the cutting room floor later, there's going to be heated debate as to whether to include them. We can't embarrass a man of that stature, argues the screenwriter, who's an ardent admirer of the man. But the director shuts him down. We're telling the full story. Drona's father was the famous Rishi Bharadvaj, with distinguished family connections to the sixth book of the Rig Veda. One day, as he's cleansing himself to perform a ritual in a chaste and pure state of mind, he sees the Apsara Gritachi alighting freshly bathed from the river, and he stops dead in his tracks. She's staggeringly beautiful. A sudden breeze blows her skirt away. Sending such a thrill through the rishi's body that, oh, come on, says the story consultant, cringing with discomfort. Do we really need to? That's private, man. Embarrassing. The director scratches his beard, considering the point. I think we have to, he concludes. How else are we going to explain the great man's birth from a trough and no mother to speak of? They discuss and decide to step gingerly around the topic. The narrator resumes. Like another famous figure, General Drona was born in a manger, he pronounces smoothly, sidestepping details. He grew up in his father's ashram, where he learned the Vedas from an early age and excelled in sports. But from infancy itself, his interest was in the martial arts cut to grainy black-and-white footage of little Drona practicing his kattas and sidekicks. Legends has it that when his father, Rishi Bharadvaj was composing his Dhanurveda, his treatise on archery, baby Drona sat in his lap, soaking in every word even before he'd learned the Veda movement shot of Rishi Bharadvaja's ashram, with footage of students chanting Vedic mantras spliced with footage of students sparring. Rishi Bharadvaja's ashram was different from that of other Brahmins, offering martial arts training alongside the standard state curriculum. As a result, it also attracted many kshatriyas, among whom was a young boy named Drupad, the prince of Panchat, Black and white footage of young boy in track shorts, squinting at the camera. Prince Drupad and Drona were the very best of friends. Both wore best friends forever bracelet and vowed eternal fidelity to each other. Young Drupad would often regale Drona with tales of his wealth and antics in the palace and would tell Drona, when I am king, I am going to share my whole kingdom with you. Whatever you want, you can have it. We'll go travelling and we'll overthrow other kingdoms. It's going to be so much fun. And late into the night, they'd stay up playing battleship and risk, plotting conquests. The boys graduated from Rishi Bharadvaja's ashram in the year. Can you verify that date, please? The director tells the researcher. I know cyclical time is confusing, but we can't afford any mistakes. Graduation was a bittersweet affair, and the two friends bid goodbye to each other with great promises. My kingdom will be yours, says Drupad, waving goodbye as his driver pulls away. Shortly thereafter, Prince Drupad's father dies, and Drupad succeeds him as king of Panchal. His best friend, Drona, unfortunately, has to miss the coronation. He's doing graduate work with Rishi Agnivesha and is now headed to the RJ school, where he's heard the founders retiring and donating all his wealth. The Ram Jamadagnea school? Isn't that where Bhishma trained? Someone asks. Yes, says the researcher. Bhishma's an alum. That's why when General Drona has his falling out with King Drupad, he goes looking for Bhishma. Ah, wait, what? Drona and Drupad had a falling out? When? Where? Why? But they were such good friends. I know, agrees the researcher. Pretty sad stuff, actually. Sets off a domino effect. The story continues. Arriving at Ram Jamadagniya's famous R.J. School of the Military Sciences, Drona finds he's arrived too late. The great founder has already bestowed all his wealth. All I have left now, he says, is the shriveled body and my weapons. You can have one of those if you like. I'll take your weapons, says Drona, and please teach me how to use them. So he spent some time with RJ, a fabled Brahmin warrior in his own right, of a reputation striking terror in the hearts of Kshatriyas. Drona inherits his entire arsenal of weapons, not merely string and steel, but esoteric weapons that command the skies and natural forces, weapons of mass destruction. Upon completing his training, Throner’s first thought is of his best friend. He's heard the news that Drupad is now the king, and so he heads over there, planning to settle down in his friend's company. He hadn't gotten RJ's wealth, but he's not worried. He knows his friend will set him up. At the city gates, he's annoyed he has to make an appointment to see the king, and he's really irritated at the security protocol. But as soon as he sees his friend, his rancor dissipates. Hey, he greets him with enthusiasm. I'm back. I just got out of grad school. Remember me, your old friend? But Drupad, seated on his throne in his resplendent assembly hall, attended by liveried courtiers, is strangely cold. Friend? What do you mean friend? Have you lost your wits, Brahmin? Friendship can only happen among equals. I'm a King, you're a penniless beggar. Are you stupid that you think we're friends? Hearing King Drupad's words, Drona is shocked. You don't remember me? We grew up together. We were best buddies, man. What happened to you? Sure, sneers Drupad. Maybe we played together as children when my options were limited and I knew no better. But we're grown up now, and I've seen the world. Can a man in a Rolls befriend a man on a bicycle? I don't think so. You can only be friends with your equals. An old friend? Who needs him? Drona is filled with shame. Insulted, humiliated, he departs. Childhood memories shattered like so many shards of hope. The bitter rejection from his childhood friend was a turning point for him, says the narrator. He was now forced to re-evaluate his life. Trona spent some time reflecting on his options. But being a man of action, he soon reached a decision. And turned his steps toward Hastinapur. The hundred and six Kuru boys are out in the schoolyard playing cricket when Drona arrives on the scene. He watches from a distance as they take turns batting. Then someone hits a sixer and the ball flies off the field into a well and the play stops. All the boys crowd around the well, wondering how to retrieve the ball. Drona bursts out laughing. Such great kshatriyas, vanquished by a ball, he mocks. Are you really the Bharatas, so helpless? You should be ashamed of yourselves. He takes a handful of reeds and strings them onto his bow. Then, before anyone can even see what's happening, he shoots them, one into the ball and the others creating a chain of reeds so that with the last one, he can simply pull the ball out. It's a dazzling display of virtuosity, and the boys are utterly wowed. So cool, they say. How do you do that? And who are you? Take me to your grandfather, says Drona. And they do, trailing behind in curiosity. Pishma recognizes Drona immediately. You're just the man I've been searching for, he greets him. We're recruiting for the head of our new military sciences programme. Perfect timing. Please, train these ruffians. I will, says Drona, but I have a condition you have to promise me. I'm going to train these boys to be world-class warriors. But when I'm finished, they need to do something for me, as my guru's fee. Done, says Bhishma. Contracts are signed, bonuses negotiated, Drona gets an office in the newly established R.J. Hall, as well as a generous stipend for weapons purchases. His personal life comes together as well. He marries Man Mercy's sister, Krippi, ponting over their similar birth stories. And they have a son, While they're debating baby names, the baby name voiceover from the sky chimes in with suggestions. He kind of whinnies like a horse, doesn't he? Why don't you just call him Ashwatthama? And so they do. Trona loves his new job. Over the course of time, so famous does his training program become that it rivals West Point and attracts students from elite households everywhere but one student outclasses them all in dedication, natural talent and effort. This is Arjuna. One day, Trona summons the cook and instructs him, don't ever give Arjuna anything to eat after dark, okay? The cook, kind of confused, says, okay. But one evening, as the boys are eating dinner, the lights go out. But the boys keep eating, hand moving between plate and mouth out of habit, without spilling or missing its aim. Something clicks inside Arjuna's head as he realises the power of muscle memory. From that day on, he starts practising at night. All night long, people hear the twang of his bow repeatedly shooting arrows. Initially, they yell, but after a while, it lulls them to slumber. While they sleep, Arjuna practices. Drona embraces him with joy. I'm going to make you the greatest warrior in the world, he promises. And he ramps up Arjuna's training, fighting from chariots, from horses, from elephants, from the ground. He teaches him every manner of warcraft, archery, of course, but also swordsmanship, fighting with clubs and spears and javelins and lances and multiple weapons simultaneously. He teaches him hand to hand combat. All his knowledge he vests in Arjuna, who will be the vessel of his legacy. A couple of years later, among the pile of admissions applications is one from a talented young boy of the indigenous tribe of the Nishads, who says in his essay that he worships General Drona and would do anything to learn from him. The boy's audition is promising, but sizing him up, noting his low-class origins, Drona rejects him, with the usual, we regret to inform you, there were a lot of promising applicants, etc., etc. But the boy is determined, and he's also an amateur sculptor, so he builds a clay figure of Drona, astonishing in its likeness. Honouring the image every day like it's a real guru, prostrating before it, the boy practices constantly, doing almost nothing else. Such is his focus and faith and discipline that he achieves an astounding level of skill. One day Troner lets his class out early, and the boys go out hunting, accompanied by a dog. The dog smells the dark Nishad boy. Wrapped in black deer skin, his body caked with dirt, and he begins barking furiously. Before anyone's even had time to react, the boy shoots seven arrows almost simultaneously into the dog's mouth, with such speed that the dog runs away, yelping in pain. The Parata boys see the dog and are completely astonished. They track down the shooter and are impressed to find him practicing blindfolded with his weird statue of Drona in front of him, and they recognize him as the low-class boy they'd seen at the auditions. When they return home, Arjuna tells Drona about the boy's brilliant feat. He says his name is Ekalavya. You promised to make me the greatest warrior in the world, he says teasingly. So how come Ekalavya is better than me? He calls himself your student too. He speaks in good humor, but Drona thinks for a moment. Then he goes to ekalavya's little retreat. As soon as the boy sees the great master, he prostrates before him. Drona says to him, if I'm your guru, pay me my fee. Command me, my lord, says ekalavya Drona replies, I want your right thumb. A moment later, without hesitation, Ekalavya has chopped off his right thumb and presented it to the teacher. Everyone is shocked. Drona leaves having kept his promise to Arjuna. And Arjuna is not unhappy not to have a rival. But cruelly mutilated, the young low-class boy can never achieve the same speed again. But he had no choice. The screenwriter tries to defend his hero weakly. He'd made a promise to Arjuna. What else could he do? But faced with the other's withering looks, he backs down. Not his finest moment, he admits, especially given how callously he himself had been treated by his friend. One man's victim is another's perpetrator muses the director sagely, as the night grows long and pizza boxes pile up on the floor. Let's call it a day. We'll start again tomorrow. But General Drona is nobody's victim, and he takes a long view of events, preparing with patience for his moment. His friend Drupad hurt him, For that, Drona will exact a revenge that will set off a tidal wave of retribution. Let's see next time if you'll join me for another episode of the Mahabharata.